The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah. Come out of his cave. You're listening to Cave Dwell Music and the Knuckle Draggers Extravaganza. Matt here with you. And something that we've been mentioning over the last little while is we'll be getting Jesse from Regular Gonzalez and a whole bunch of other projects on the show. And he is we're here with us this evening. Jesse, despite being, you know, sucked of energy due to this stupid Brisbane heat, how are things tracking for you? Things are good, man. I've been in aircon all day, so the heat hasn't hit me yet. I just I just got home and I um still. I mean, my little, I've got my little portable aircon. I'll just crank that up as well. So, <laughs> doing pretty well then. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, definitely shorts weather. That's for sure. <laughs> it's almost like you uh, you knew what question I was going to ask first off. But <laughs> I mentioned this to you uh, before we started recording. I've got a bit of a, a choose your own adventure start, and you know, we'll take this in whatever direction you want. Sure. One question was, what makes a great shorts band? And the second question was. Who is your go-to character on Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2? So oh, which, I love this. Which one would you like to answer first? These are both like full episodes in themselves, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what, what makes a good shorts band is obviously shorts, but like embracing the shorts, willing to put the, you know, get the pins out for the boys um, and, yeah, show off the gams. Um, they don't have to be super short. I favour the sort of knee length body style short yeah so uh, like mick from dirty brew he goes with like the real short like the footy shorts so you know there's a lot of variety a lot of options but the important thing is a good shorts band embraces the shorts um and yeah doesn't does matter it, if it's hot or if it's cold you're wearing shorts does it have to be a ratio of members what if someone's rocking like an exceptional pair of shorts do they then boost the the pedigree of the shorts band up or does at least you know out of a three-piece band, two has to be wearing them. I, I feel like if only one out of three is wearing shorts, you're not really a shorts band. You're a shorts band member, but but maybe not a shorts band. Yeah, I feel like it has to be over 50% shorts representation for, for it to count as a shorts band. So, and how did the shorts band bit start because it's something that I've been following you guys on social media, regular Gonzalez, by the way, make sure you go check him out. Um, first and foremost, your social media game is fantastic. I think it's kind of looking at how bands would normally do it and going, nah, let's, let's have a bit of fun with this. But how did shorts band come about? Yeah, that's the, thanks for um, acknowledging the strong social media game, first of all. Uh, <laughs> the thing that got me was the uh, the Spotify image because you get all these like really serious bands doing really serious images and yours is of your drummer. like hold, Yeah, like holding a biscuit. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, no, the shorts thing, our mate Cam, he uh, is a musician in Newcastle and he plays in Drug Mother and um, some really cool side projects. But we put a picture up and we were wearing shorts on stage and he said these uh, something like these bloody Queensland shorts bands, like, you know, show some respects, you know, get dressed properly on stage. So we just leaned into it instead of uh, putting, pant, you know, long pants on. I understand it's a, it's a choice. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there have been some good shorts bands and shorts musicians in the past and we're um, following that trend. It's, it's the meme, really, you know, the same with social media. It's all about the memes at the moment. 
Dude, I went and saw Blood Incantation last night and I got so excited that people in that crowd were wearing shorts. Yes. Just because, A, we mentioned at the start of the interview, it is stinking hot. That's and, you cool. know, everyone's wearing like black long sleeve shirts. A couple of guys had the battle jackets. And like I would say like 50% of the people there were wearing shorts. And I'm just like, thank goodness for that. You, you, you know, there's a time and place for dressing like a true metalhead. Okay. And the middle of Brisbane summer is not fucking one <laughs> no of them. No way. I feel like in Brisbane, it will never be too cold to wear shorts to a gig, but it's certainly too hot to wear long pants to a gig. <laughs> Which is like half the year, if not more. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just staying consistent, man. <laughs> uh, we'll, double, we'll, we'll actually go a bit deeper into that social media thing. The, it's Again, it's one of the things that I really love when I see anything from regular Gonzalez is while you understand the necessity to actually do the social media stuff, you kind of do it in this, we know we have to do it for the bit, you know, like everything has like a, a nice kind of tongue in cheek flair to it. Is that just from a way to keep yourself sane? I think so. Yeah. It, trying to do legit social media and marketing and promo that uh, I've tried and I Something about my brain just does not gel with the idea of like real marketing and promotion. Because you feel like such a wanker trying to promote yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I've always had an aversion to um, some hip hop is really good, but that really sort of like, uh, like bragging and like talking about how good you are. I've always had an aversion to that. And I feel like with promotion and marketing, I get that same vibe. If you try and promote your album, I, and so there's, yeah, my brain does not gel with the idea of self-promotion. So instead we just put up dumb pictures of our bass player's face eating a biscuit. <laughs> I know. And it works so well. Um, <laughs> and it's not just that. It's like there was one that I saw for uh, Audio Mackie was you basically photoshopped an RACQ thing. And oh, yeah. had there was a, over a million breakdowns. It's just yeah. <laughs> small stuff like that, which can be a little bit too niche for a wider audience, but the people that are going to get it are going to yeah. get it and they're going to love it. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That was Paige, the uh, the drummer in Gons and the, the second half of Audiomachy, yeah. <laughs> Let's get into Gons because it's been a project that you've been working on for how long now? Like how long has it been for, for regular Gonzalez? Yeah, Gonzalez is like over 10 years old, but in terms of metal and what we're doing, it's a... Uh, sort of late 2016-ish that we started um, pushing the, the metal stuff. We used to play rockabilly in like 50s rock and roll, but um, just decided one day we're all, we're all metal heads. Let's actually do what we love. So, so yeah, it's myself, my brother, Danny, he's on bass, and uh, Paige on drums. Paige and I have been friends since, yeah, 2005. So it's a, it's a small family of shorts enthusiasts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, we just, yeah, just try and make, Music that we think should exist that we can't find elsewhere is kind of the vibe with Gone. So, yeah, it's that Dillinger-ish, Every Time I Die, mixed with, like, the sword and clutch and that sort of vibe. So slow, heavy, chuggy riffs, but also angular, weird-time stuff. That's that's kind of our vibe. And how did you find the transition from that rockabilly style to <laughs> something more akin to Every Time I Die? I guess, in a sense, it still has that very bluesy southern riffage it's just yep. taking it and putting it into something with a bit more you know those mathy choppy time yep. signatures yeah it's and as i said that, that sort of bluesy riffage there probably is some you know blues and rock and roll influence in there but we were really 
influenced by, and me in particular, The Sword uh, was like their album, Age of Winters. Oh, the riffs on that. <laughs> so good. Uh, that was like the first inspiration. Um, but And because I'd been listening to Dillinger since high school, I just can't not write stuff like that. So it was that was my interpretation of it. But the going from rockabilly to metal, it, there was no transition. We were in the jam room one day and we were rehearsing our set. And after a song, I just we just stopped and I just go, do you guys want to be a metal band? And we were like, yeah. And we just immediately ditched all the music and started fresh. <laughs> and I think it's a thing that sets you guys apart in particular within the Brisbane scene. There is... Like Malignant Aura just put out a record earlier on in the year, Fantastic Death Doom. There's a lot of death and thrash bands. but And this could be me living in a little bit of a cave, but I haven't found too many of that really groove-heavy, um, yeah, like that really groove-heavy bordering on like old-school classic 90s metalcore. It's something yeah. that really sets you guys apart uh, in the Brisbane scene at least. Thanks, man. Yeah, I feel like there, there are bands who are doing not not exactly the same as us, but in that similar vein. But yeah, that '90s metalcore sort of vibe. I feel like it's getting it's having a bit of a resurgence. Like you've got um, bands doing tribute sets when they're playing like Corn and, and Slipknot and Lincoln Park and stuff. So, and then there's other bands like uh, Strange Fiction uh, comes to mind, and like uh, I don't know if, if Old Old Town's still kicking. I'm not sure if they're still a thing anymore. Um, I'd be able to say, but uh, but yeah, strange fiction for sure. And uh, I'm just I'm blanking on the name Dead yet. I'm really digging those guys. They're a bit thrashier, but there's definitely some groove elements to them as well. Um, but you're right, the Brisbane metals, like we always used to call it Bris metal, where it was like thrash and Metallica heavily influenced bands, and that was just like every band is like that. Um, but but yeah, there's. Tons of groove going around in that bluesy sort of vibe, the Dirty Brew certainly. Like they bring the heavy, but they've also got those bluesy, big, chunky riffs as well. So, yeah, it's it's around, but I think you're right. It's uh, it's underrepresented. Touching on the Dirty Brew, and we're kind of going to be jumping between topics here as things come up, but you guys... About that Tony Hawk question too, by the way. No worries. We'll, uh, we'll get to that in a second. But you guys are playing, is it New Year's Eve with the Dirty Brew? It is, yeah. New Year's Eve. With Dirty Brew, um, you know, I haven't re- I'm horribly prepared, but I'll bring up the uh, the Facebook page for it. But yeah, Dirty Brew, it's at the back room. Uh, my internet's going to run slow here. Of with course. Fist, Chaosphere, Knoth. I don't know if you know Knoth. They have been in the Brisbane scene for probably more than a decade, and I think it. I don't want to jump the gun, but I think they have said that it might be their last show. Damn. Um, so I'm going to be up on stage with them. Fingers crossed that all works out. But, yeah, um, tons of bands, man. Cobra Kai, Born Again Hypocrite, which is uh, Rod. I don't know if you know Rodney, but he's in about, what, 20 Brisbane bands. So, yeah, there's a <laughs> um, tailor-made rejects as well. Like, it's a pretty good lineup. Um, tons more as well. So, um, What is the actual event for that one then? Yeah, it's just called New Year's Eve 22 uh, by Brewhouse Productions. I'm just looking on Facebook here. It needs a name. We have to come up with some sort of pun name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like almost everything has some sort of pun name, but it seems like this one in particular uh, kind of lacking. And I think from memory, a lot of your gigs in recent times have been at the back room. Like there was that really big two-day festival that happened last month and it was the last one that Mousy ran. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, 
Possibly the last Shredfest, yeah. Yeah. How, did, how was playing Shredfest? Like that was such a huge day across, oh, a huge two days really. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. We played Saturday Arvo around four o'clock, which is not traditionally the greatest time slot, but <laughs> but man, everyone was just so keen for Shreddy. Like we had a great, great crowd and I, I ended up staying till I think it was like one in the morning to see like the whole, everyone had a great time. Um, and I live like a minute's walk from the back room. So I just stumbled home at the end. Oh, dude, sorted. <laughs> Maybe that's why we keep playing the back room because I just walk over. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> um, and how did you, you said the four o'clock crowd was pretty good. I guess it's that kind of thing with, I know with like larger festivals, you either the openers get a ton of people and everyone's still hyped up or the guys at the end of the night yeah. get it. How did you find that sort of mid, late afternoon slot? It, it definitely peaks probably like closer to, you know, nine or 10, but yeah, I, I got there at about three and it was already like a good crowd. The back room can be difficult to fill up because it is quite a large space and you've got that sort of beer garden area where you immediately your audience is split inside and outside, but it was, it was great. Um, yeah, good, good turnout. I think um, people were a bit sad that it might be the last shred fest, but, but yeah, everyone showed up. So it was pretty consistent the whole night. And, and- from memory, the back room is at Chardon's, isn't it? Yep, Chardon's Corner. Which best. is kind of like, it's in a bit of a strange spot as well. Like most yep. of the, um, for those of you who are listening in from out of Brisbane, most of the venues are within what, like five, six Ks of each other. Basically, you've got the valley and a little bit of a loop around to Tenerife, whereas Chardon's is, uh, what's the closest suburb from there? Like Cooper's it, Plains, it, Rockley? It, yeah, Annalee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, uh, it's quite a way away. It's unfortunately, I've said this for years, it's a great venue in kind of a crap location. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're in the Valley, you can go to King Lear's, go to Scully's, go to Tomcat, go to Jolly Rod, you know, the Greaser, there's so many little venues you can just hop back and forth. But if there's a gig at the back room, you're kind of, you're going to the back room and that's where you're staying, which is great. But yeah, it's, it does limit it a little bit in that regard. Yeah, that's something that I'm, I mentioned Malignant Aura earlier in the interview, but I, uh, at the time of recording, I'm going to go see them play on Saturday night. And that was something that I was contending with because yeah. like you said, if you go into a gig in the Valley, you can kind of hop between different venues and check a few things out. Yeah. Whereas if you go to Chardon's, you're basically going to be hunkering down there for the night that's it it's 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 back room and then the taco bell if you want <laughs> at, i've had taco bell a couple of times it's not the best but i it also doesn't make me violently ill so i think i was sold a false bag I think of goods the american taco bell meme is that that it's really really gross and bad for you but i've never know. had an issue with it hey it's fine it does a good gets the job done we also mentioned earlier on um, Audio Mackie, which is the project uh, between you and Paige. Yep. Again, how did you, because you've said you've been friends forever. You went from the rockabilly of uh, Gons to the metal of Gons and yep. now something a little bit more different with a bit more elect- like electronic industrial kind of elements. Totally. Is, it, is it the case that you two have been working together on music for so long that it's just like, all right, we've done this. What can we do next? I think, yeah, maybe. No, Audiomachy has been going a while. So this is actually album number four. Holy shit. Okay. I am very behind the times. No, no, that's fine. It's, um, again, we don't market, we don't promote, nobody likes it. So it's very underground. <laughs> um, but 
Audiomachy started uh, when I met Paige. She was into electro and industrial and more hip-hop stuff, and I introduced her to metal. And then just over time, she, she was already producing um, beats and tracks in electro style. Nice. Um, already had, yeah, out, uh, like out self-produced albums and stuff. What was the uh, producer tag and what was the uh, artist name that she went under? Uh, you could probably find it under Lance Core, L-A-N-C-E-K-O-R-R, Lance Core. Um, yeah, but put out a couple of albums under that name. And then we just sort of, sort of decided, hey, what if we mix these two things together so that industrial electro sound with the sort of math metal and uh, and big heck and riffs uh, that I was uh, into. I always like that combination, um, especially when they incorporate noise elements into that mathy stuff, because oh, yeah. both of them are pretty chaotic genres in and of themselves. But when you mix the two, it works. <laughs> it's it just like a perfect complement. It does. It makes sense. Hey, yeah, it's like... Um, I get well. Dillinger certainly did that in their later albums as well, mixing a lot more of that electronic sort of harsh style stuff as well. Um, but and yeah, then you've got uh, like Frontier. They I don't think they really do industrial, but it's like if a guitar could be industrial, that's what like Frontier would be it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, for pulling from those two sorts of styles, and again, the tag of that was just trying to make music that we hadn't heard before, trying to bring it to life. And it seems like that is the general theme when it comes to music that you're making. You've got an idea of what it sounds like, but then it's not exactly fitting in any particular lane. Yeah. I've found it hard to say what genre Gons is over the years. Yeah. Currently I'm calling it sludge prog. That's about the closest closest thing I've been able to think of. Um, although someone... Someone referenced uh, scumbag rock, which I thought was really funny. It's like it's like that sort of Nickelback sound where like all of the lyrics are like talking about drinking and like um, you know like going to jail and stuff. Like you're a scumbag, but it's rock. And I was like, ah, maybe we can be like like scum prog or something like that because <laughs> we got those sort of riffs in there sometimes as well. I like it, but that's <laughs> the thing as well. I think it, especially for metal fans, there is an incessant need to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I know I've heard this. I need to try and pigeonhole it in a genre, yeah. which which is fair. I mean, I do it as well, and it kind of comes part for parcel. But yeah, trying to categorize yourself, it's kind of like you know trying to market yourself. You feel like a bit of a tool doing it. Yeah, and that's it's it's tough to be. Yeah, what, what, prog, I guess, kind of because of those mathy sort of and odd time elements. But yeah, it's not math core. It's not really even core. I don't think. But then it's it's metal but it's not just you can't just say it's metal because it you know <laughs> exactly metal's like too too uh broad and overarching to really lock anything in to specify a bit because if you're a fan of metal you might not be a fan of us by default you know so <laughs> in fact i'll go further and say you probably won't be a fan of us <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone through um Speaking of audio, Mackie, actually, yeah. when there is a brand new album out, I saw the track teaser list. When is the new album coming out? How did you find recording it? Give us the whole spiel behind that one there. Yeah, so Audiomachy, album number four. Um, I don't. I legitimately don't know how to pronounce the album title, so I've just been calling it 4Diomachy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep, so happy with that. Uh, it's recorded and mixed and mastered entirely by uh, myself and Paige just in a bedroom with a computer away you go 
as as you do these days. Mm. It's uh, being released November 22nd, so it's coming up pretty soon. We've released two tracks so far, uh, on, which you can get on Bandcamp. Um, they and we'll probably put out a you know music, not a music video, but you know like a YouTube visualizer or something like that, just to try and push it a bit. But uh, yeah, that, that's the recording and mixing process. It's just in a bedroom for years on end. <laughs> COVID slowed us down <clears throat> and then just life gets in the way. So it's been, I think this album has been like four or five years coming. So it's good that it's finally being released into the wild. The only thing is, as long as you don't call it your COVID record, I think we're fine. I was yeah. having a chat to uh, Brad, who's from the record label Lint, and he was saying that just... COVID, calling it a COVID record kind of is reminiscent. Do you remember when like all the punk bands in like the early 2000s did their Bush record? Oh, and sure. <laughs> yeah, like don't get me wrong. I still like some of those early no effects records, but if I have to listen to like two or three songs saying how fucking bad George Bush is, like why? <laughs> like it, it just doesn't hold up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because it's relevant now, but in, you know, down the track when COVID's just a distant memory, fingers crossed. It's going to be so like, who cares about <laughs> what it's a COVID album? Who cares? Give us good music. You mentioned there that your recording method is, you know, guitar, drums, computer, plugins, and away you go. Yeah. Do you find that having that control and being able to do everything yourself makes it easier? Or have you encountered a few things where you sometimes can't see the forest from the trees? Yeah, I feel like you definitely get like option paralysis, because you can just forever tweak tweak settings, tweak options, retract something if you're not perfectly happy with it, all that sort of thing. Um, I really try to operate on the philosophy of there's this two reasons you would make a choice that goes on an album. One is it's artistic integrity and you, for yourself, you need this to be on the record. And the second thing is you're making a choice because you think it will sell or you think other people will like it. Yeah, And if it comes to the point where you're making a choice and you, you're not really artistically, like, you know, it might be the drum panning. Should it be drummer's perspective or audience perspective? I don't really have a passion for that. And nobody has ever not bought a record because the drums were panned left, right versus right, left. So, like, at that point, just, just make a choice and move on, you know? Like, <laughs> that's I try and operate like that. Is it Am I making this choice for me or am I making my, this choice for the audience? And does it really need to be, you know, worried about? Do you have a preference though? Like if like gun oh, with a perspective, 100%. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I'm hundred percent the same because then like when you're air drumming along, it kind of yeah. makes sense. Like it's you're not, not trying, yeah. you're not trying to flip it around and play it left-handed. Yep. <laughs> I love that you actually had an opinion on that. Thank you so much. No, no. It's, I, I can't remember the records, but there've been a few where I've heard them and it's the drums just sound off and i can never work out why maybe that's why i think that's why the other thing that gets me as well do you have this feeling when you're in your car and you're listening to a mix and because you're in the car you're automatically sitting to like to the right hand. yeah and I never like thought of that, but you're right all right so i had this experience the other day i think i was listening to sparks i'm going to say sparks because i listen to them a lot that's kind of you know the touchstone but i'd go from like headphones to my speakers at my desk into my car and I was just listening to this one record on repeat and it sounded so weird in my car and I couldn't work out why. <laughs> and then I was, it took me like five to 10 minutes to realize 
that's because I'm, I'm I'm like sitting on the right hand channel. I've just thrown yeah. the whole mix out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought of that, but you're so right. Yeah, listening in a car, you would have to like get in the back seat and sit in the middle, but <laughs> to get the proper experience. <laughs> Which always throws me. Like you hear the stories of like all these record and uh, all these engineers and producers and everything. Like no, no, no it's only going to sound good once it sounds good in the car. And you're like. Yeah. Now that we're going through this, yeah, <laughs> maybe it's just pan too heavily to the right. Who knows? That's it. Well, that's the thing with with the mix. You know, most people are listening on a phone with no headphones or anything. So again, the choices that you're making, do people care? Do you care? If not, don't worry about it. <laughs> how far down? Because you mentioned that um, you sometimes get option paralysis. Like, how far down into the nitty gritty of the mix will you go before you reach that option of that like two-way path of is this really going to make much of a difference? Yeah, it's, I, I really try and get it right the first time so I don't have to, you know, fix it in the mix. It does happen sometimes and, yeah, I I, I will go down to the single hi-hat hit <laughs> sometimes but then try and also have that perspective to be like, ah, maybe, maybe don't worry about that so much. <laughs> There's plenty of records that I love and I can hear the mistakes and I can tell that that is a mistake. Like they didn't do that on purpose. I still love the album, you know? <laughs> uh, what are some of those albums? There's one I was just listening to. It's a band I don't think exists anymore. They're called The, the Guts. And I think the album is called Blood. Let me look it up. The Guts and the album is called Blood. Yeah. Um, and it's rough and it's like bedroom recorded, but it's, do you know uh, the Callous Boys? Yes. It's like the bedroom recording Callous Boys. And I I almost like it as, I like it as much as the Callous Boys. Like it's just rough and it's just a bunch of guys who put this album together. It absolutely slaps. The mix is not the best. There's mistakes. There's timing issues. Who cares? It, it rocks, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Um, just one second. Sure. All right. That's much better. I just had to throw a light on. I, cool. No worries, man. I felt like a, a serial killer recording their last monologue. Um, but yeah, I've been really intrigued by the the Callous Dowboys uh, in particular because they're doing kind of, like, I don't know where they're from, but there was a really big post-Brexit, like post-punk, post-metal scene that came out, like bands like uh, Black Country, New Road, the Callous Dowboys are a very similar style. It's an interesting mix of kind of avant-garde music with yeah. that real sort of dirty metalcore background. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, they're from Atlanta, Georgia. There you go. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's Paige showed me a Callous Dowboys track. It's it's Paige recommends me music a lot of the time, and I, we've been friends since two thousand five, and she still doesn't know what I like. <laughs> And she'll be like, you'll love this. And I'll be like, this is the most boring thing I've ever heard. And then she'll post something and be like, what about this? And I'll be like, this is my new love. Um, and that definitely happened with Callous Dowboys. Um, as soon as I heard them, I was like, this is what I was looking for. Like, for me, I always go back to Dillinger Escape Plan because they were a band in my formative years. But it just sounds like where I wished Dillinger went rather than where, where they ended up going. Their last couple of records were fine, but not... Not what I wanted. <laughs> I certainly didn't want every time I die to disintegrate, but unfortunately that, that happened. That was um, as well. 
And they very selfishly broke up as immediately after I put the word, I put a line regard, um, that references every time I die in one of our songs. And then they broke up. So I was like, well, great. Now that has no cultural relevance. Thanks, guys. It was a funny thing, though. Like, there were so many conflicting stories that came out of it. Obviously, uh, Keith has done two books at this stage. If you are ever looking for good books to read, the second one with the watch on the cover is better than scale. Uh, Andy has become a wrestler. Jordan's been doing prints for God knows how long. So it kind of, you could see them sort of going their own separate ways, but still, like, it's it's still. yeah, it's a shame not to see them around anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a shame to see it wasn't like an amicable split up. They weren't like, okay, now we're done. You know, we've been gone for 20 years. This is what we've achieved. And instead it kind of blew up and turned into a shitstorm, which sucks. <laughs> it was a strange one. And we mentioned wrestling just there. Yes, we did. Because one thing I was going to ask, and this is something we'll get back to. The, I think I'll end on the Tony Hawk question. That'll be a good way to yeah. wrap it up. So if you've been, if you made it this far into the interview, dear listener, and like, what the fuck, Matt, shut up. I want to know what his favorite pro skater <laughs> character is. We'll get there. We'll get there, you greedy bastard. Um, but in the recent lot of promo photos that you guys have done, there was a Lucha Underground shirt. Yeah, there was. And I, without, I remember take, like messaging you this as soon as like I saw that. I spent, I think, a good fortnight when I first moved back to Toowoomba. Almost every day after work from the radio station, went around to my friend's house, uh, in, indulged in some Willie Nelson classic and just <laughs> binged Lucha Underground. Excellent. It was how would you describe it? Because it's like noir wrestling, but then there's also weird supernatural elements to it. Yeah. Lucha Underground, when I first saw it, really surprised me in that, you know, everyone obviously knows wrestling is fake, but it's a, you know, it's a gimmick. It's a show. It's like a sitcom or not like a a soap opera sort of thing. And they leaned into that. So it's like, it's, it's like wrestling meets days of your lives or like something like that. But yeah, like, with those supernatural elements and like the backstage segments in WWE, the backstage segments are filmed in a way that makes it seem like it's still legit. You know, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a guy with a camera interviewing a wrestler, but the Lucha Underground backstage segments are shot and produced like a, like a show, like a TV show. Yeah. It's like you, like, you know, when you, because your folks would have done this as well. You tune in to watch like the local news and you always catch the last like fucking five minutes of days of our lives or something like that. It is the same level of bad dramatic acting, really canned lighting and just, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you mean. It's just, it knows exactly what it is and it's leaning into that gimmick entirely. Yeah. I was really interested in that. It was like, okay, so it's a fictional show, but then it's got live wrestling as well. Like the wrestling's not, shot and produced like a tv show like if you watch um glow or something like that which mm. is also a show but like the wrestling segments in that are cl- clearly shot as like it's a tv show about wrestling yeah lucha underground is like i don't know it's it's this weird hybrid where it's like it's legit wrestling i say legit you know as, as legit as legit wrestling gets yeah um, but it is a tv show it's really yeah it's hard to describe it's this weird middle ground it's amazing it was and just how over the top and like my favorite thing is, and it's something that Jared really, like he sold me on the idea. I think Leslie Nielsen made, like it was his quote. It's like, you never let the audience in on the joke. 
Like yeah. Lucha Underground presented itself as at both times a legit wrestling show yeah. and a legit like telenovela soap opera. Totally. Yeah, yeah. That's how put it. It's was and it was so bizarre. Yeah. Like they just stuff would happen and you kind of sit in there going, What? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, WWE, like with The Undertaker, I feel like they never really knew quite what to do because he's the dead man and he does supernatural things. But he's the only one in like all of WWE. Yeah. Like Bray Wyatt later on who like they would hint at maybe like, like you know, voodoo powers and stuff, but it was always hinted at. Whereas in Lucha Underground, they're like, no, this man can literally transform into a dragon. He can do that. He does. It's off screen because we don't have the budget for it, but he did. <laughs> Oh man, Drago was the best. And my favorite thing about that that mask as well, you know how like luchadors just have like standard cloth mask. He was like, nah, man, I'm I'm going like full drama nerd with this one. Yeah, yeah this takes four hours to apply. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so good. There was just so many strange little characters in it. Like uh oh, Mil Mortez was like yep. revived from the dead after an earthquake. Yep. And, and again, all- not, not like a wrestler who plays an undead man. It's like, no, this he is literally raised from the dead. Like, that is actually his character. So good. <laughs> so right. funny. That's so um, good. And they actually had the Bronx on a couple of episodes, which I always found really weird. They did, yeah. A mariachi El Bronx would, mm. would, would play, the, play songs in between matches, yeah. Which, again, it's just one of those strange crossovers that yeah. we... It's, it's perfect. It's perfect. It fits perfectly. <laughs> but they um, and something that I've been wanting to chat to you about for a while, and it works out well that you're wearing the t-shirt of what we're wanting to have a chat about. Sure. Schema Collective. Um, you guys have put on a few gigs. I've seen the name around. Yep. But for people like myself who might not know the entirety of Schema Collective, like sort of what is it? What's the ethos? How did it get started? Give us the rundown. Yeah, cool, man. Schema Collective essentially is at its core, a group of Brisbane bands and and artists who are just trying to put on gigs and do shows for not just for ourselves, but for our friends and the bands who don't really fit into a particular scene. Yeah. That's why Gons and Adriatic and and um, yeah, like our, the other bands on in Schema. Uh, that's why we work with each other because it's cool people who yeah don't maybe not don't fit into those sort of those sort of uh, pigeonholes there but uh it really started to take off we were putting on little shows like fat louis and and things like that it really started to take off when we started um getting a bit of grant money a bit of funding to be able to put on shows and pay artists and pay skateboarders and we got funding to do a series of shows in skate parks all around brisbane it's such a cool visual it's so good and we were so lucky to be able to do it and to be able to pay like we we got to pay skateboarders we're like come and skate at a skate park and we'll pay you money like <laughs> yeah that's like every kid's <laughs> dream <laughs> and we we started we would promote young bands the youngest band we had their bass player was 14 and the bass was like as big as him it was great <laughs> that was like an all ages show we did at king lear's it was really fun um but yeah it's just the schema collective is just yeah that trying to trying to just make a bit of a difference in the scene and get that community aspect going again. You know, I want, when we do a schema show, it's great because all the people there are, you know, my friends and, uh, you know, it's like family where, you know, it's, you know, it's safe. It's a good time. It's good people. It's going to be, you know, good music and, and, and all that next year we'll, we'll be doing, we'll still be doing skate park shows, but we'll be doing 
um, you know, other, other other shows in venues and such as well. So looking to expand and branch out and just keep doing what we've been doing. But we've been really, um, yeah, again, we got a bit of bit of funding from, um, <clears throat> excuse me, bit of funding from Brisbane City Council. We work with Kids Helpline. We're trying to make a difference, make people more socially engaged. Essentially, that's the idea with schema. You raised two interesting things there and we'll break them one down and then we'll go to the other one as well. Yep. Gons and Adriatic and those bands that you mentioned not really fitting in anywhere. And again, this is something that I found having a chat to a few people is that you can often be too metal for the punk scenes, but yeah. too punk for the metal scenes. Yep. And it, it's a weird sort of chasm there. Like you mentioned earlier on the idea of Briz metal, which is very thrash and Metallica. Yep. And then you listen to a lot of the local uh, punk bands and no disrespect, there's some great ones coming out, but yeah. a, lot of the, a lot of them kind of, you know, heard Pennywise, heard no effects, and you were basically going to try and, yeah. you know, remake fat records. Yep. How did you find with Gons not quite fitting in that mould? Yeah, I've, I've always found it hard to... And that's kind of why we started Schema is because we're like, well, we don't fit on that lineup, so why even apply to play that one? You know, that was kind of, it happened all the time. Yeah. We'd see, we'd see a lineup or gigs that were happening, like, oh, that's great, but we don't really fit in with those bands. Again, as you, you've nailed it perfectly, too metal for the punk scene, too punk for the metal scene. Um, and like too heavy for the rock scene, but not heavy enough for the, the real heavy sort of, you know, metal scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of why why I got really into starting Schema because we we're just like, well, let's just put our own gigs on and, and get bands that we think are interesting to play. Um, so as you said as well, no disrespect to any of the bands, uh, you know, there's tons of cool bands who are killing it, who fit a very particular genre and that style and they've got a big following and such. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what Schema was about as well to start off with was to give a bit of a platform or to build a community of weirdos. <laughs> And it starts with the all ages shows because obviously you and I are both of an age where we would go to 18 plus shows, yeah. but I don't see too many bands doing all ages shows. Sure. You, you get the occasional four triple Z car park gig, which yep. can be all ages. Uh, Schema is another one. I know that we set sail played one recently at Trinity hall in the Valley. Oh, cool. But you don't really see too many all ages shows around. Yeah. I would love to see more of them. Um, maybe you do, and we're just too old, and we we're not. That's, all that's, that is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did get made fun of um, for suggesting putting a post on Facebook, and like the young kids were like, "What? What even is Facebook?" <laughs> they're on, yeah, what whatever is like after TikTok. They're on that. Like, well, I'm not even. I'm the only <laughs> on TikTok. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like two apps behind whatever, whatever kids are on. Like. Oh, dude, I, I know that pain all too well. And like, it'll even get to the point where I'm having a chat to, you know, my siblings who are two years younger than me. And they're like <laughs> discussing the, the relevance of this TikTok. And I'm just sitting there going like, <laughs> yeah. like, what's, is this fucking like updated Vine? Like what's going on? That right, and even just saying is this updated fine makes us like too old to even be involved in the conversation. We've, we've basically just COVID recorded ourselves, like we've just <laughs> dated ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of kids who are like are on TikTok, and if you said, "Oh, it's kind of like Vine," and they'd be like, "What is Vine?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is so sad. 
yeah, uh, it, and it does sort of change above us. But getting back to all ages shows, yes, as like you, you would have gone to like some of your first shows, which would have been all ages shows. Yeah, and getting involved young is a great way to like hook people into this kind of weirdo music. Oh, absolutely! You make friends for life. You make bands. You you know you join the scene. It's it's a whole yeah, it's a whole culture, and it is like a it'll it'll set you up. In, in that direction for like your whole life, you know, it's, it's like, it's like the bands you listened to when you were 15, you're always going to listen to those bands. You know, the, the gigs you went to when you were 15, you're always going to remember those, even if it might not be the same people, that vibe and that scene, you know, like, yeah. And yeah. I, I want to see more of it again. It might be, it might be happening and I'm just not aware. And if that's the case, that's a great tragedy and I've got to get on board, but yeah, we want to do more. Uh, we want to do more all all ages shows and um, expand that. Man, people might uh, dismiss like younger kids and teenagers for being immature or whatever, but man, the funniest people in the world are like you know high school kids. The the so it's, funny. It's a humor that we're not used to, and it's like it's really funny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it it's that's so good. I, I enjoy that it's also like the dumb of the humor, and like the whole point of the conversation is. And it's something that I try and hold on to as well because it, it's just really fun. Just trying to say like the dumbest shit to get a laugh out of your friends. Yeah. Like I, I miss that mentality so much. Yep, yep. I find myself very much influenced by younger people that I had like worked with in previous jobs and stuff. They would say something and I'd be like, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard and you just like said it off the cuff, didn't even think about it. I'm like, I've got to get on board this. This is great. <laughs> Do you find booking all ages shows hard um it's something that i was having a chat to gem from dead about but the live music scene i don't know whether this is just an australian only thing but it's so closely related to you know drinking yeah do you find it hard to find all ages venues obviously you've done the skate park a couple of times i think yeah i think that's why we 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 stuck to the skate parks because we didn't have to worry about people oh why can't I drink you know or, or like worrying about licensing and all the issues regarding that um we did we have done a couple of all ages shows at King Lear's Throne and they're rad because they will they'll help us out by doing the shows and they you know won't serve alcohol or they'll have whatever arrangement they've got it, it works for, the, for them um but yeah it is it is harder certainly and you have to be a bit more creative about where you're putting on the show and and what you're doing in that regard and you're definitely right about the association with gigs and, and drinking um and we don't help that we have a song called Scroonhenge. like <laughs> yeah but you're of age it's fine it's it's the kids you gotta worry about yeah that's it <laughs> but yeah it's one of those interesting things where you either have the shows really early in the afternoon like i know sometimes Geez, this is showing my age. we're just dating ourselves this entire interview um but i remember when the hi-fi was still kicking I went and saw yeah. uh, like an afternoon show of the getaway plan. And oh. then later that night they went back and did the 18 plus show. Yeah. Have you, has that been something that you've seen venues are willing to offer? Like they'll do like an early afternoon set or are they just kind of, we don't want to fuck around with this licensing. Yeah. We did that at the zoo a couple of years, just um, maybe 2018, I think in our second schema fest, we did that. Mm. At the, we did like an afternoon, all ages, and then a night show. Uh, some venues are, but yeah, it, it just, it just ends up costing them a lot of money and it's hard to do, <laughs> yeah. which, make, which makes sense. Venues are expensive to run. 
that and like like we said, you know, you get what how much of a cut of the ticket sales and everything else is basically relying on the uh, the bar sales of the evening. Yep. And that's that's where it's, it's so awesome with Schema to get the funding because then we don't have to worry about making the money back. The money is there to put the show on and to get that community involvement. So it's not about making money over the bar. It's about getting awareness and putting the word out there. Do you think people are scared about getting government grants? Like they're sitting there going fuck, this whole paperwork's like longer than two pages. How am I going to do it? I think it's a combination of just not being aware that it's even possible to do. That is true. That's another point. And grant writing is a particular skill. You can't just bang it out on the back of a notepad and chuck it in, you know. It is a very particular skill that you do have to be good at, um, which luckily Stoyan in Schema, he that's kind of his job is he writes grant proposals. So that's where we're lucky. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's just something you got to try, and you'll probably get rejected the first few times. But you just got to hone those skills and get feedback. And uh, if yeah, it's there's there's money there. Like there is arts and community grant money that they have to spend. So why not get it to you know record an album or to put on shows? And like you said, it's the big thing of not actually knowing that yep. this is possible. Yeah. Um, a really good mate of mine is a drummer in a kid's band down in Victoria. And he was saying that as soon as the arts grants went up, I think he put in like three or four different ones. And now he's touring around regional Victoria, just oh. like with all this grant stuff. Yeah, that's it. Cause it can, it can fund the, it can fund the tour. So you don't have to worry about sleeping in a van and not making your money back and not being able to get home. You know, that's what the grant money's for. It's for pushing the shows because they want to, the grant money is there to promote the arts and culture. And that's, you know, that's what it's there for. So why not, why not get it? And like you said, they've basically budgeted that money out already. It's sitting there waiting for, for someone to write a grant for it. hundred percent. Yep. Yep. If you're, if you're in a band or if you, if you put gigs on and it's hard because money, um, yes, I agree. Just start looking into grants. It's, 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 yeah, it's important that we spend the money that you know that's what our taxes go towards is in portion um arts and community funding so um i'd sound real old now but i'm gonna i'm gonna stop let's <laughs> let's but, move on to something new shall we uh kaiju fest that's coming up soon right hey, all right yeah kaiju fest uh november 12th at mansfield tavern another one of those Great venues in kind of an awkward position. Uh, I've I've been to the Mansfield Tavern once, and we mentioned wrestling earlier on. I went there to see a UPW show, and it was so much fun. I have got to tee something up with UPW. So when I started Gons, I had two goals. One was to play in a skate park. Yeah. Mission accomplished. And two was to play a wrestling show. <laughs> um, and the, the sub goal of the wrestling show is I want to be put through a table. Isn't that like every fan's dream or something like that? I want that to happen. I want to be, I don't know what the gimmick is. Maybe like we're playing the wrestler's entrance music and we get the bad guy's song wrong. And then he like beats me up and puts me through a table. That is a great, that is a great thing. We should, (laughs) let's, 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 uh, let's cut this audio clip out, campaign it, and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, sweet. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Mansfield Tavern's a pretty cool venue. Um, And talk us through what's happening with Kaiju Fest. Yeah, it's, so it's November 12th uh, at the Mansfield Tavern. There are two stages. So uh, there's the main stage and there's also like they've got a second room where, where they've got, uh, I think more of the punk and hardcore side of things are in that second room. Um, they had to segregate us, I guess. Um, but the 
lots of good bands again. Uh, we're playing with Strange Fiction, who are mates of ours, and we I love their music. That's always so good. Um, but you've got yeah, Void Matter, Twelve Gauge Rampage, uh, which is a so sick I'm, name, honestly. Twelve Gauge Rampage, yeah, it's, it's so I saw it on Shredfest lineup, and I'm like, yeah, it's such a good name. It's awesome. I'm actually pulling double duty at Kaiju Fest. I'll be playing in Gonzales and then playing on the other stage in Adriatic. Nice, um, which is going to kill me, but will be worth it. Uh, <laughs> um, Look, yeah. if you had Audio Mackie on there, you just write yourself off for the next couple of days man we've we've talked about playing a live audio mickey set for years i don't think it's possible some of the songs change guitar tunings not only from song to song but mid-riff like the the tuning to the <laughs> recorded bit i'm like i don't think i can one nobody can drum it like the drums are almost intentionally written to be unplayable <laughs> and two you can't play guitar so we just we'll just stand there with a laptop and dance to the music. That'll be our live set. <laughs> yeah, you're just like the guy that programs the music in Sleaford Mods. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe we could just like cook a barbecue on stage, and that's our stage show. <laughs> I like this. So yeah. we've out of this, we've developed two gimmicks. It's one, <laughs> you get the the heels song wrong. He puts you yeah. through a table. Two, you just plug the audio. Oh, now, see, now I've stumbled over it. The audio Mackie uh, set into a computer and yep. you just cook a barbecue on stage. Just pick lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you get the early set at the next at yeah, the next one. We did the matinee show, yeah. <laughs> um, but, man, Kaiju Fest, um, it's headlined by uh, Resurrection. They're a tribute band and they're playing a set full of, like, it's a good bookend because we were talking earlier about that 90s um, new metal sort of stuff, and that's what they do. They play Linkin Park, Limp Bizkit, Corn. I think I've seen them once, and they opened with they opened with Spit It Out or Wait and Bleed, and then they went straight into Rollin' by Limp Bizkit. Damn. Put the house down. Immediately, the whole crowd, rolling, 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 like no irony, just pure joy. <laughs> I always wondered that with Limp Bizkit, how much of their fan base, or at least they, like their fan base now, is genuine joy or is it like nostalgic <laughs> irony? And I, I, I still don't know the difference. I think it's the same as Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1, man. It's it's not really that good, but, man, I will sit down and play the heck out of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 on an original PlayStation. Who is your go-to character then? <laughs> Originally, on the first game, it's Bucky Lasek. Classic. Yep. Um, left, right, circle, the finger flip airwalk. What a move. That is an unparalleled special trick. <laughs> I love, the fact that you've got it, like, memorised as well shows you how much you've actually played that. Man, I, I rented Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 from a video easy that was across the road from me when I was, like, what would I be, 11 or 12? Because I, I played Cool Borders and I thought that was fun. And then I was like, oh, skateboarding, that's kind of like snowboarding. Let's give this a go. And yeah, changed my life. <laughs> Game over. Game over from there. I, I never. Yeah, I picked Bucky Lassick because I'm like, ah, oh, maybe his stats are good. I don't know. And I just, I'm a diehard um, follower of Bucky Lassick now. But from, uh, was it two onwards? Rodney Mullen, of course. You got to Ah, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't, I think I've only played, I think I only played one, like on occasion, whenever I'd go to a friend's house. But yep. I, had an old N64 that had died and I only got it refurbished recently. And I used to be uh, a big Steve Caballero fan. Yeah. Classic, right? Absolutely. And then I learned to like a little bit more about skateboarding. I was like, who the hell is this Jamie Thomas dude? Oh, here we go. Yep. And started playing as Jamie Thomas. And I'm like, damn, he's like, his moveset's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. In the first game and the first couple of games, each character did kind of have a different move set. I think mm. homogenized it later on in, in future titles, but um, but yeah, Tony Hawk One, Tony Hawk Two was definitely my jam. I played that game to death, um, and I had a friend who had Thrash Escape and Destroy. So oh. he had that game. I had Tony Hawk, so there was all, we would always you know. Be there's playing. a mix. There's a mix between the two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, do you, I think this is a good stage to uh, wrap up the interview and I want to end on one final question. Do you believe into the meme that uh, Superman is the best track on a pro skater soundtrack or do you believe the correct answer and it's actually Gorilla Radio? Oh, I was going to say Gorilla Radio is a good choice. See, that's Pro Skater 2. So in terms of Pro Skater 2, that, that is the strongest song on that game. If you're going... In terms of meme factor, I think it's Superman. <laughs> In terms of just pure meme factor, you know? I do. <laughs> I just, a, a mate of mine recently got it on his PS5, I think. Is it the, like the one and two remake? Remastered, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like as soon as that came on, I was like, oh, man. And of course, like we were like sitting on the couch and as soon as it come, came on, we're like, Nah, we got to sit cross-legged on the floor. This doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This you've got to you've got to plug the controller in so it's wired. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I look. This might be controversial, but in terms of Pro Skater One, the best song is not Superman. The best song is New Girl by Suicidal Tendencies. That yeah, actually, that does go harder. <laughs> it's. I think it's actually. If you put the disc in and you've never played the game before and you've no save, I think that's the first song that plays. I think it's like your first Tony Hawk experience with that first game is that drum fill into New Girl by Suicidal Tendencies. Oh, uh, dude, I love that. That's a great way to start a game. <laughs> yeah. Warehouse, New Girl, you go down the ramp, you launch over the pipe through the secret room, and, yeah, your life has changed forever. <laughs> That's it. And then the, then it's game over from there. Yeah. Dude, thank you very much for taking some time out um, and having a chat to us. If people wanted to get in touch, check out Schema Collective, yeah. check out Audio Mackie Gonzalez, where yeah. do we go to find this? I've just given you a whole bunch of different things about Facebook, I guess. Yeah, because we're old, Facebook is the first point of contact. Schema, S-C-H-E-M-A, Schema Collective on Facebook and Instagram. Gonz- regular Gonzalez, that's Facebook and Instagram. We do have a TikTok and I have posted to it. And I did get a thousand views on a post, which is amazing. Which I understand is like not even worth looking at, but it's exciting to me. A thousand more than I've ever got on TikTok, (laughs) mate. So you're doing well. Um, Adriatic is Adriatic uh, on Facebook, and I think Adriatic Sharks on Instagram, um, because someone someone got there first. (laughs) And Audiomachy. Strangely enough, nobody had the name Audiomachy on Facebook or Instagram already, so we got that we got that under lock and key. So yeah. Um, those are my my weird projects and uh, yeah man thanks so much for having me I really appreciate the, the chat